0: Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. I'm pleased to welcome you to this hour of worship, especially if you are visiting with us. We are glad that you're here. We endeavor to create community in a host of ways here. One of those ways is to register your presence, so please grab the friendship pads that you will find on the outside aisles of your pews and let us know of your presence in worship this morning. Uh, Please note names of those who are around you so that you can greet one another by name following worship. Uh, This is a way for uh, everyone to feel welcome, uh, whether you are a longtime presence here or this is your first Sunday. We uh, also want to welcome those who might be listening to us uh, or watching online. We are glad that you have chosen to make Preston Hollow a part of your Sunday morning as we worship together. Uh, There are a number of announcements on the back page of your bulletin, so please make note of those. Know that there is an open invitation for your participation in anything that strikes your fancy. One thing that we want to call to your attention in particular is that we are offering a blue Christmas service. Yes, Christmas. Blue Christmas service a week from tomorrow. That's December the 2nd. At 7 p.m. in the chapel, this is our annual service of wholeness and healing right at the beginning of the holiday season for some of us, the holidays can prove to be challenging. Uh, We might be in the midst of grief or sorrow. We might be struggling with a diagnosis or something might be troubling us. If you or someone in your life might benefit from a time that is set apart, a sacred time and space for prayer and singing and simply resting in God's presence, this is a service for you. So please come, please invite others, and know that you're invited. At this time, I want to call, uh, uh, I want to turn this over to my colleague, Matthew, who has an important announcement, update for the congregation.
1: (coughs) Turn it over feels so official. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. Um, So I wanted to uh, to give you guys an update. For the last three months, we have been asking and inviting this community of faith to risk something big for something good as we entered our commitment season. We uh, invited you to consider making uh, Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church your number one giving priority. And last Sunday, we had Commitment Sunday right here at Preston Hollow. And I wanted to give you an update on what we are beginning to see after Commitment Sunday. Uh, As of Wednesday, We had received 575 uh, commitments. Those are from individuals or from family units. Uh, 575 puts us significantly ahead of where we were this time last year. We ended our campaign at the end of February last year uh, receiving 739 commitments, so 575 puts us well on our way. The session, uh, our leadership body here at the church has discerned that our ministry this year will require an investment of $3.85 million. Uh, We believe that God will take that Uh, those gifts and transform them into ministry both here inside the walls and beyond the walls. As of Wednesday, we have uh, received uh, $3.4 million towards our $3.85 million goal. This is uh, some encouraging numbers within the numbers. Uh, Those who have made a commitment this year, um, 51% of you have increased your commitment. You uh, maybe you have made uh, Preston Hollow your number one giving priority. For those uh, who have increased their commitment and are in the in that fifty-one percent, we are seeing an average increase of twelve point eight percent. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity and for your commitment and for stepping out in faith and making Preston Hollow your number one giving uh, priority. Um, I also want to let you know that the session, our active board, they're 100% committed uh, to this commitment season. We have heard from them uh, for a tune of $150,000. That's um, our session, current session. You also should know, and maybe you've wondered this, do the ministers give? I mean, What is that like for them to receive a paycheck from the church to then turn around and give back? That is exactly what happens. And all of your pastors um, are 100% committed to this uh, commitment season for um, a tune of $30,000, over $30,000. So we are working with the diaconate to be 100% of our diaconate, and we're really close, and we hope to report that back to you very soon. I want to say thank you. Thank you for making Preston Hollow a priority. Thank you for your generosity, and thank you for your commitment. If you've yet to make your commitment, uh, commit cards are in the pews. There's some out in the atrium as well. If you've never made a commitment, because you're like, wait, I've never done that. I'm not even sure where to begin. Let me say this. Uh, generosity is part of discipleship. And so even $5 a week or $20 a month will make a difference. Not only in the life of this community of faith, but it will make a difference in your life because generosity helps orient you and all of us to how we see the world, that there is a different way to live. And I do believe our commitments help us to live that way in every single day of our life. So I want to say thank you for those of you who have committed and those who will commit, and thanks be to God for this community of faith. And can I just say, this is maybe my favorite announcement of all time. So thank you so much. Friends, let's prepare our hearts and minds to worship holy God.
2: of faith, please join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. In this room, we talk about hard truths. In In this room, we strive to interpret what it means to love. In this room, we support one another. In this room, we are free to be ourselves. In this room, we offer forgiveness. In this room, we worship God. So let us worship the God of truth, love, community, and grace. God's grace or favor it comes to us not as something owed but as a gift freely given so confident in God's love for us even when we fall short we confess our sins together so friends I invite you to join me in the prayer of confession which was written using the language of our confirmands faith statements let us pray God we believe that being a Christian means loving you and our neighbors. We believe that being a Christian means serving others and welcoming those who feel unwelcomed. We believe that being a Christian means offering forgiveness, even when it's hard, and remembering that we are loved by God. God, we believe these things but belief and action are not one in the same. So give us the strength to act on these beliefs and to be the people you call us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Family of God, God forgives, restores, and strengthens us through the risen Christ. So know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. All may be seated. Friends, as is our tradition, as we prepare to hear scripture read aloud, we center ourselves in prayer. So friends, join me in prayer. God, our creator, your voice claims us as your people and calls us into new relationships with ourselves and others. By your Holy Spirit, help us hear your voice speaking to us through these words of scripture and prepare us for your service in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: At the 930 hour, the Winkleman family, the Wright family, and the Samaric family uh, stood right here. They stood right uh, behind the baptismal font, and they offered their children to receive the sacrament of baptism. Three families, five children were baptized in this community of faith. Uh, Those families were tired, and they were busy, and they had a lot going on. But I got to tell you, I was thinking um, about you, Confirmans. The whole time uh, that baptism was happening— Because 13 or 14 years ago, your parents stood in front of this church or another church somewhere, and they held you in their arms, and each one of your parents is thinking this morning, how did we get from there to here? And a minister somewhere asked them to make promises on your behalf, promises that you couldn't make for yourself, because you were children. You couldn't even talk. You didn't even know your mom or your dad's uh, real first name. You knew what love was uh, based on a feeding schedule. But to ask you to answer questions about God was not something you could do for yourself. So your parents took vows on your behalf. They, uh, they said that they would raise you in the faith. That they would try their best to show you what grace and mercy and love looked like at home. They said that they would teach you the scriptures of the Old Testament and the New Testament, that they would introduce you to Christ. And they did so, standing in front of a whole community of faith. And now, 10 of you are going to stand up here in a few minutes, and you're going to stand right here, and you are going to confirm the exact same promises that your parents made on your behalf. But we have to be careful, because sometimes we can think that Confirmation Sunday is about you confirming your parents' faith. But it's not about confirming your parents' faith. If it was merely about us confirming our parents' faith, uh, we wouldn't call it confirmation, we would call it graduation. We would say, I've learned those lessons, I will do it, and therefore I have graduated. No, it's Confirmation Sunday. You will stand and confirm these promises, and you will say, I choose to follow in the ways of Jesus, even when I don't know what I believe. Can I tell you some really good news? It seems to me that Jesus was far more interested in our belief taking on flesh in our lives and us living that out in the world as we sought and seek to follow Jesus now. Do you know why I think this? Um, Jesus in all of the Gospels only ever asked people to believe in him twice. John 3.16, we'll see the sign at the football game here just in a few minutes. John 3.16... Do you know how many times Jesus tells people to follow him? Jesus invites people throughout the Gospels to follow him 22 times. It seems, if we read all of the Gospels in all in their entirety, that Jesus is far more interested in us taking the little bit of faith that we can muster, the belief that we have, and for that belief to take on flesh to follow Jesus in the world. And I'm going to tell you why um, I believe this. I want everyone in the sanctuary to find uh, the Pew Bible. It's the blue book right in front of you, or it's right underneath you. And I want you to turn, everybody do this, because there's some, I'm gonna point out some scripture text to us that I wanna make sure that we see. So we're gonna turn to the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. The 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. What is it in the Pew Bible? Uh, 116, am I right? 116 for most people. If I'm a page or two off, just forgive me. This is what we need to know. This is what we need to know. Jesus has been crucified. He was dead. He was buried. He ascended, and he has been resurrected. And he finds the disciples early in the morning, and they are having brunch on the beach. They're having brunch with the fish that they have just caught. And this is what we need to remember. Uh, Simon, son of John... Simon Peter, son of John, Peter inherited his family business. And when Jesus first meets Peter, Peter's in a boat, and Jesus asked Peter, Peter, will you leave the family business and follow me? I can't tell you where we're going, but will you step away from the family business to follow me? And Peter follows Jesus. And then Jesus is crucified, dead, buried, And he ascends to heaven, and Peter goes back to the family business. And that's where Jesus finds him. So when we hear these words, when they had finished breakfast, and Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus is not asking Peter, do you love me more than these knuckleheads who are the disciples? Jesus is saying, do you love me more than this catch of fish? Do you love me more than the stability of the family business to continue following me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? That's the Greek word used here. Do you love me unconditionally? Simon, son of John, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me more than these? And... Peter said to Jesus, Yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. You know I like you a lot, Jesus. Anybody ever had someone tell them that they loved them, and your response was, I like you a lot too. Anybody want to tell us about it this morning? Raise your hand and we'll hear. It. It's awkward. Jesus has said, "Uh, Simon, do you love me unconditionally? And Simon has said to Jesus, you know, I really, I'm pretty fond of you, Lord. And then Jesus says to him, then feed my lambs. Pay attention to that. What are lambs? Yeah, but what kind of sheep? Baby sheep. Pay attention to this. Marty Loman helped me see this. Watch what Jesus invites Peter to do throughout this text. A second time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I feel you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. So Jesus went from lambs feeding to tending adults. And then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you feel you owe me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Lord, you know everything. You know that I feel you owe you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. For very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wish. But when you grow old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. I got to tell you, if I were Jesus and I'm abundantly clear that I'm not Jesus and I'm just as grateful for that as you are, but if I'm Jesus and I come back and I see Peter, the first thing I would say to Peter is, Peter, uh, can we talk about you uh, denying me three times and getting me handed over? Can we talk about that betrayal? Can we make sure that that gets smoothed out and then we can talk about a relationship? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus shows right back up on the shore of Peter's life and he says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And even in the face of Peter not being able to answer, yes, Lord, you know I love you unconditionally, Jesus does something remarkable. He says, Peter, I'm going to meet you where you are with the love that you are able to muster, and I'm going to walk alongside of you. Which is actually what it means to be in relationship with someone. I got to tell you, it's remarkable that Jesus doesn't say to Peter, oh, you can't love me unconditionally? Cut bait relationship over. Jesus says, I will meet you where you are with the love that you are able to give, and I'm going to walk alongside of you, and I'm going to show you what it means to follow. Isn't it interesting that Jesus at the very end doesn't show up and say to Peter, you believe that I'm the Son of God now? No. Jesus says to Simon, Peter, follow me. Jesus asked people to believe in him twice in the Gospels. Twenty-two times he invites people to follow him. But what does that mean? What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, it's helpful to get familiar with the way that Jesus lived his life. Maybe that's a good indicator for what it means for us to follow Jesus, to commit and to confirm that we want to follow the path of Jesus. You know, Jesus in the... All of the gospel says to love one another, to love, 57 times. 57 times Jesus tells us to love one another. So maybe when we love one another, we love our neighbor, that's a way of following Jesus. You know, Jesus, uh, throughout the gospel, prays 24 times. So prayer may be part of the path. Jesus performs 34 miracles in all of the Gospels. And let's be really clear about this. Miracles were typically Jesus meeting someone who was infirmed and bringing them to health, spiritually, physically, mentally, or Jesus encountering someone who was hungry and giving them food. Jesus was really concerned with our well-being. And isn't it interesting that Jesus uh, doesn't show up and say, I know that there were 10 commandments, but I'm going to give you 40 commandments. Just recite this, and then when you have Confirmation Sunday, you can break up all of the 40 new commandments, and the confirmands will recite them. No, Jesus gives us 40 parables. Stories. Stories by which he wants to illumine what a life of faithfulness, a life of following God looks like. And do you know 40 parables? Of those parables, 11 of them have to do with money. 11 of 40 have to teach us how we are to live with money, recognizing that our greatest security is not in what we have. Oh, I think Jesus is much more interested in us following him in the world than Jesus is with us simply believing and having the right answers. What does that look like for us? What does that look like for us in this world today? I have a friend, Larry James. Larry is uh, the CEO of City Square downtown. Before uh, Larry was the CEO of City Square, he was a pastor of a Church of Christ church in Richardson. 1985, uh, Larry's sitting in his office during the week. His phone rings. His good friend, Dr. Kevin Murray, called him and said, Larry, uh, we are beginning to diagnose some of the first patients with HIV-AIDS in Dallas, Texas. And I just uh, diagnosed a young man this afternoon. He's in his late 20s. He's at Baylor School of Medicine. He's in their dentistry program. And he doesn't feel like he has anyone to turn to and to talk. He doesn't feel like he can go to his faith tradition. So I told him I would make a phone call to you and see if you'd be willing to meet with him and talk with him. Larry said, absolutely, I'll I'll, I'll meet with Stephen. What's this guy's name? I'll meet with Stephen, send him over to my office. Stephen came over that afternoon. They didn't even do the niceties at the door. Stephen looked at Larry and said, this is what I need to know, Pastor. Uh, will you be committed to getting to know me well enough so that in a couple of weeks you'll feel confident enough to stand in a pulpit and to preside at my funeral? Larry said, Stephen, have a seat, man. Started a three hour conversation. At the very end, uh, Larry extended his hand, and Stephen gave him a hug and they agreed to meet every single week from that moment on. This was 1985. I mean, this was in the early days of HIV AIDS, and Larry will even say to this day, we didn't know how people contracted AIDS. Larry will tell you, he went straight to the bathroom and scrubbed his hands like he was scrubbing in for surgery. And the next week, Stephen showed up. And they met for hours. For the next nine weeks, Stephen had an appointment with Larry in the office. Then on the tenth week, Larry was awakened by a phone call in the night. Uh, Word was coming that Stephen was beginning to make the transition from this life to the next life. And he was asking if Larry would come. So Larry showed up there. Stephen was in his bed in the upstairs room of his apartment to breathe. And Larry wept as he put his hand on Stephen and he blessed him and as Stephen took his final breath, Larry hugged him. And the very next week in that church in Richardson, Larry presided at Stephen's funeral. Stephen was the first of many young people that Larry and that church would bury. And they had a lot of discussions about it at the board level. You know, is it a good idea for us to get involved in this? What if we become the church that is known for caring for these people? And there were people on both sides, those who really thought it was the right thing to do and those who didn't think it was the right thing to do. And the good news is they debated one another. Healthy debate is a good thing, friends. Healthy debate, when we actually respect one another and we are committed to staying on the path together, will lead us to a place that we can't arrive at on our own. And that church agreed, you know what? We are going to do these memorial services. And so for years they did them. And all the while, the church was uh, beginning to open a preschool. And one night at the board meeting, the question came up. I know that we've been doing all these memorial services, but a quick question, Pastor, Uh, will we welcome a child? What if a child has HIV AIDS? A, A newborn, will we welcome that child to this new preschool at our church? Larry said well what do y'all think again there were arguments on both sides they debated it deeply i mean what if we did welcome these children into our church building and we exposed them exposed them to our own children what are we going to do there were folks on the other side that said if we didn't do this what would it mean to be the church and so they got into a healthy debate and they shook out and they said you know what we are at the end of the day we are going to welcome even babies who have HIV, AIDS, into our church. As you can imagine, there were some people who didn't like that. And so on the opening day of that preschool, of that daycare, of that early childhood education center, there was a family, one family, that decided not to enroll word uh, got out about what this church was doing jane paulie showed up from the today show right there in richardson she set up the interview right in the chancel of the sanctuary and she said to larry larry it's amazing what your church is doing and he said well miss paulie with all due respect we're just doing the best we can we're just trying to be faithful and she said no It is so interesting what you all are doing. You have made a, you've taken a a stand. You've welcomed these children into the church. Even the children with HIV AIDS. And Larry looked at her and he said, Miss Polly, with all due respect. Miss Polly, with all due respect. I find it interesting when a group of people who say they believe Jesus begin acting like him that it becomes national news. With all due respect, Ms. Polly, I find it interesting when a group of people who say they believe in Jesus begin to act like him that it becomes national news. Peter, do you agape me? No, Lord, but I really am fond of you. Oh, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Lord, I don't know if I can do that, but I can like you a lot. Peter, can you like me a lot? Yes, Lord, I can like you a lot. And feed my sheep. (laughs) Feed my sheep. And follow me. I'll show you the way. Pray with me. We believe, oh God. Help our unbelief. So the belief that we have left over would transform our lives and our world as it takes on flesh. For we pray in your holy name. Amen.
3: People of God, in response to the invitation to follow Christ, you are invited now to rise in spirit or in body. And let us affirm our faith together using the words from our confirmation class. Church, what do you believe? We believe in God, creator of everything, a beacon of light in our darkest times. We believe in Jesus Christ, the embodiment of love, who came to teach us how to live. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who is always there for us, surrounding us in love. And we believe that our faith requires us to care for all God's. have learned these lessons from scripture and in worship, but also from the faith of our parents, grandparents, teachers, and friends. So we believe in the church. We believe in opening our doors wide and welcoming people in. May it be so. Amen. may be seated.
0: of our weekly invitation to sign care letters that you will find just outside the north transept doors under the windows. These letters are provided for individuals and for families who are uh, going through some type of life situation, transition, uh, and your signature serves as a form of prayer. So please avail yourself of that opportunity, whether or not you know the recipient, so that they know that their faith community is supporting them. I call your attention to the back of your bulletin where you will find joys and concerns listed there and commend these prayers to your personal prayer life in the coming week. Friends, let us now unite our hearts and minds together in prayer. Let us pray together. God, in your gracious mercy, you created the earth and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. In the quiet of these moments, give us pause. Pause to see your goodness all around us. In the rain that nourishes the earth, in the leaves that fall from the trees, in the sunshine that warms our faces, and in the lengthening shadows that shorten the days. God, we often think that we want life to stand still, to be as we have always known it, But even the very changing of the seasons is an example of your mercy to us. Help us not to fear change, but to receive it as a gift. God, as your spirit lives and breathes and works among us in the seasons of our lives, we lift up to you with thanksgiving those who mark a season of significance this day. We offer our prayers of joy for those who mark their confirmation this day and all those who serve as teachers and leaders to them. Thank you for the movement of your spirit in their lives and for the courage they demonstrate in taking the risk of faith. Surround them with your presence and encourage them in their walk with you. We also celebrate with those families who have presented their children for baptism. Hear our prayers of joy for the very gift of life and for your love presence in the lives of these. Thank you for the courage of their parents. Walk alongside them as they serve as teachers and guides. Holy God, and all that we have before us, save us from the busyness that leads to blindness. The failure to see not only your goodness, but the pain of others in our families, in our city, and in the world. Where there is hunger, teach us to give sustenance in the form of love, in the form of presence, in the form of daily bread. Where there is injustice, confront us with our own bigotry and hardness of heart. Give us the courage to tell the truth about your love and to stand alongside and to join our voices with those who still long for justice in a world where all people are created in your image. Where there is pain, inspire us to use our gifts of healing. Where there is violence and cruelty, open our eyes to our common humanity that we might reach out to others, not in suspicion, but in curiosity and care. In These deeply divided times help us to know how to love, how to be present for, how to heal, and how to embrace. In all things, grant us the courage for the living of these days. And so hear us now as we boldly pray the prayer your son taught us saying together, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
3: As God so freely offers us the gift of life in Jesus Christ, let us respond this morning with gratitude, offering our lives, our resources, and our commitments to God. Friends, our morning tithes and offerings. with me we give you thanks and praise O god for the free and abundant gift of grace you have given us in christ jesus let the simple gifts of our lives be a sign of your unending of our unending gratitude for your undying love through christ we pray amen you may be seated
2: joy that I invite up our confermans and their teaching team to the chancel at this time. Y'all can come stand on the stairs. Friends, this year we have had ten hard working ninth graders who were supported by two adults Marty Lohman and Amy Stiller, who loved them and taught them and played ping pong with them and kept the train on the tracks. (laughs) This group is a joyful group They're a silly group. They're a smart group. So it is with great joy that I, through the support of the session, present our confirmands today for the reaffirmation of their baptismal covenant into which they are baptized. And as a sign of this special day, we are giving you all new name tags to mark your new membership. Amy has those for you.
0: These young people have spent the last 10 weeks asking questions, learning about the history of the church, digging deep into theological constructs in their own faith lives. They have gathered every Sunday morning, lugging their enormous study Bible along (laughs) with them. I mean, really, you could use this for curls, um, (laughs) to learn more about what it means to be a Christian. And today, with deep joy and celebration, they are ready to publicly profess their faith by joining you in the ranks of the church to take on greater responsibility in the Christian community and to continue living Christ's mission in our world. Confirmance, we have some questions for you.
1: And like I said in the sermon, these are the questions your parents answered on your behalf a long time ago, and you answer for yourselves these days. So my dear friends, remembering that our God is a God of radical love mercy, and justice? Do you promise to turn away from evil and its power in the world? If so, if so, please say, I do.
2: And friends, do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior, trusting that Jesus not only knows you but loves you and will be with you all the days of your life? If so, please say, I do.
1: And will you promise with God's help to try and be a faithful disciple? doing the best you can, obeying God's word, giving and showing God's love everywhere you go. If so, please say, I do.
2: And finally, will you be a faithful member of this congregation? Share in its worship and ministry through your prayer and your gifts, your study and your service, your joy and your light. And so fulfill your calling to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If so, please say, I
1: will. Friends, we believe at its best the church is a family, and that we uh, cannot do faith alone. And so that is, is true for these young people as it is for us. And so at this time, I wanna invite the families of these young people to come forward, and we are gonna lay hands on your young people and pray for them. So if one of these young people belong to you, you need to publicly claim them.
4: <laughs>
1: really, you do. This can be a little messy. So if you Mm -hmm. need to stand to the side or behind, please do. And there he is. Sarah's gonna pray for us.
2: All right, friends, let's pray. Loving God, we gather together today with deep gratitude for your children, for Henry and Lynn, for Caroline and Gavin, for Luke, Heath, Jake, and Sophia, and for Jack and John David, who could not be here today. We thank you for the wisdom and love of these young people, for their energy and honesty, and for their commitment to you. They are so brave and so good, and in them we see reflections of you. So we ask, God, that you might bless these confirmands so that they know how deeply they are loved, and so that no matter where they go, they will always find themselves at home with you. And we pray, God, to continue to guide this community of faith, your church, so that we can continue to support their faith journey to the best of our ability, nurturing the children and youth of Preston Hollow. So continue the good work you have already begun in these confirmants. Send them forth in the power of your spirit to love and serve you with joy and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. So, uh, parents, grandparents, make sure when you go home tonight, go, when you go out for lunch, that you remind them of what their baptism day was like, if you can remember. <laughs> and share that story with them so that they know that this, indeed, is a holy moment. A moment that you will look back on your entire life and see the spirit of the living God alive and at work. So I want to invite you um, to return to your seats, but confirmands and families, uh, after worship, will you return up here because we're going to take a photo? Because when things are holy, we don't want to miss them because our memories sometimes forget. So uh, love on your young person and friends. Let us stand and we will sing our closing hymn. You can go back to your (laughs) seat. as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world. May God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every last one of them, and set them on fire And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, 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 many different ways this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen. Amen.